morning, everyone. It's October 23rd. I'm Charlie Fink, Forbes Tech columnist, and this is This Week in XR. Uh, this week, our guest is Samantha Wolf. Uh, she's an adjunct professor at NYU, and she teaches um, the business of XR, which is very similar to the class, one of the classes that I teach at Chapman University. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my partner in crime, Ted Shilowitz, futurist of Paramount Pictures, uh, is not going to be with us this week, but Sam and I are going to break down some of the top stories in tech and uh, share a few of our thoughts uh, about uh, our remote teaching and uh, most of all, one of my favorite topics, theater in VR. But let us start with, um, with you, Sam. How is uh, teaching going at NYU and um, how do you think remote is comparing to in-person? Well, I mean, that's the thing is that I have, I have the only sort of in-person teaching I have done has been more at conferences within AR and VR. So this has been when everybody's like, oh gosh, Zoom teaching of, you know, 52 students. How is that? I'm like, I didn't know any differently. So um, mm -hmm. I think it's been, it's been great, um, great to do. I had, you know, you know, I have, I look at somebody like like you who knows so much about the industry and I'm like, how can I learn more about the industry and be able to help other people learn more? And then I came up with this curriculum um, of which we use, you know, your books as part of it for sure. And, uh, and I've been learning, um, you know, about the industry almost, it's sort of like, okay, what, if, if, you know, if I were like Charlie Fink, but I was a little bit different, like, what would I, what would I, I want to know? And I pretty much did that. So I it was like myself, inspired of, by, but recreating. I think of myself as a perpetual graduate student. Me too. I so mean, I, you know, I just, I'm, I, you know, I love to learn and I'm excited by new things. One thing I found this semester, uh, really to the credit of most of the students, is that they're really leaning in. I think last semester was so disrupted and people were so unbalanced that it was hard for people to stay focused for, you know, the second half of the semester, which was suddenly remote and not by choice. But now people knew what to expect. They knew they were signing up for potentially the whole semester or longer being online. But, and, and so I think that a lot of people had really boring summers, you know, and they wanted to get back to work. And, and I, I think most of them are still, to their credit, still leaning in. So that certainly makes me feel a lot of responsibility to deliver, you know, content um, and as much of a relationship as you can build with people Absolutely. remotely. You miss all of that, you know, hanging around before and after class and, you know, seeing people's body language and you really know in person when people right. are, are paying attention. Although, you know, you get better at reading the room in Zoom but, you know, I, I said right before we started, this is a little ridiculous because when you're talking, you're generally never looking at yourself. You're looking at the other person to see yes. how they <laughs> No, it's, it's been really interesting for me. I mean, I ended up um, setting up like, op like very broad open office hours um, at the beginning. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it again, mainly because, I mean, some of my students, they're from, they're you know, zooming in from China, they're, right. they're, they're, they're taking their Amazing. classes overnight. And right. so um, that was the one thing they said, like, I, make sure that you're, that, that you see them and understand them. And I was like, well, this is like my consulting business, like everything right. is about, you know, <laughs> who's your target, and what do they need? And how can you help them understand? 
and and it's similar to you know thinking I, I about force, a, a PR company and and who they're targeting. Instead, it's like my product, you know, is the teaching, you know, and how are they going to understand yeah, this industry? How are they going to get inspired? And so it actually works well. And because I'm going like for the second half of the class, which literally starts on Monday for the second half, I'm going through most of the industries. And then so I'll come out and I will be able yeah. to have a intellectual conversation with you, Charlie, about all the industries. Now I can do sort of a few, but give me give me till December and then I'll I'll know them all. <laughs> let's let's get to the top story of the week, which is sure. shutting down. Uh, are you surprised? I think that when I when I was starting to read more about this, it's you know, it was going against Disney Plus and if you go against Disney, you're probably gonna lose. Well, I don't um, know. Katzenberg went up against Disney with Dreamscape and true. came out of that uh, having built a very, very substantial production company, which he sold for, I don't know how many billions of dollars to Universal, NBC Universal, which they uh, consolidated with a with, uh, uh, group at Illumination, which was doing the, um, you know, the movies with the minions. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, uh, that makes so, sense. You know, the, guys the fact that they have a billion dollars, though, you know, I mean. Even Meg Whitman raised $1.75 million from venture capital at like Goldman Sachs. They got Alibaba in on the act, most of the movie studios, just based on their reputation alone. Well, I, I mean, I used to work in television before um, before I started working in AR and VR. And, and so I worked for some big networks, um, you know, that would have the millions of dollars of, of marketing budget. And then I would work for other networks that were like a marketing budget. Like if you find a partner, we can market and, and had like no money and so and, and still managed to be able to get a certain amount of audience with with hardly any money and reruns of old TV shows and and so it's it's you know gosh what I what I would have done with like a billion dollars to do this but you can't yeah. I mean I'm sure that they it, it's hard right I mean this is what I think you had had that in a little bit if, if you have TikTok going on you have Netflix you have the man. I'm just going to say the Mandalorian as opposed to like anything else on, on Disney, although there is so much more and you go, okay, where am I going to spend my money now? Where am I going to spend my time? Cause I'm watching, I mean, for me, I'm like, when we, we did analysis, um, when I was at TV guide of like, who's the ideal like TV audience. And it was like, right here, it was me. Cause I get, I'll get all the subscriptions. I will watch everything. Um, as much as I can, given the lack of time I have now. And and there wasn't anything that I was like, oh, I need Quibi too. Like Hulu, I fought the Hulu fight and then finally was like, okay, I give up once there was a few good shows. And I think that from what I understand, I mean, I, obviously it's not in the room with Quibi. It's like they they spend a lot of money on getting people but not necessarily not necessarily having it all be about storytelling and powerful storytelling as the lead, which is tends to be well, like a VR AR kind of debate debate as well. Yeah, unfortunately, their timing. I mean, the the principals were, I think, honest with their investors in an open letter, which was posted to the site, which was, you know, they had colossally bad timing, and uh, it may be that this is an idea that. Uh, people are not willing to pay for it. And of course, you can only test these things under the condition of sale. You can't really right. um, 
fully marketed. I do think the fact that their content could not be shared on social media uh, was a fatal, fatal mistake. Yeah. And it reinforced a problem they had anyway because they had too many shows and the shows were too much like network shows. They weren't bespoke. They didn't feel native right. to the internet. Uh, they were very high quality, but they seemed like they should be on network television and not on um, a platform uh, that, I don't think that you're nibbling at content. And also, what's a nibble? I don't think of 10 minutes as a nibble anymore. I think of a nibble as one or two minutes scrolling through TikTok. So I think this, <laughs> this idea of what a quick bite is, and, and again, they admitted as much, right? Maybe the concept wasn't strong enough. And I think right. TikTok really, um, I don't think TikTok hurt them as much as they illustrate the differences and why they are successful and why, why Quibi, Quibi couldn't get traction. Also, the pricing, $5 with ads, doesn't sound super attractive when you put it well, that But if you put it, I mean, this is where it's like, where on the spectrum are you gonna be in terms of content and costs, right? I mean, if you're going, well, we're not as expensive as Disney Plus, but we're more expensive than other things and we're gonna have some, you're gonna have you know, celebrity content, like it, it sort of, it's one of those things where it like makes sense on a PowerPoint or like a, a Google slide, but it might not necessarily make sense to, from a consumer. And, and what TikTok is doing is a little bit, you know, like early YouTube, right? It's sort of like, we're just going to have, people yeah. are going to create stuff and they're yeah. going to share it and it's going to be fun. And well, then you're like, okay. They had this feeling like anybody could post. Oh, anybody but, can post. But right. it's a little bit of the same now. It's just anybody can post, but they have to do something right, that's like funny. But we're more interested in other people than we are in movie stars today. Yes, yes. I mean, at least that's, and, but I think that some of the, at least some of the people, or I, I mean, I can generalize, I guess, about, about TikTok that I feel You're like. You're a college professor. Go ahead and generalize. Yeah, Kathy, actually, Kathy and I, I had said to Kathy um, Hackle, who, who writes, who's another Forbes uh, writer, um, and I said, let's do a article about uh, Gen Z. And so we did this whole thing about Gen Z because I was fascinated by TikTok and, and the applications. And, and I feel like the, the people that have sort of rose to the top on, on TikTok who are the, one, are the ones that are creating funny content and good content and, and are amazing dancers and are constantly like delivering content. And I think that in this world of like, I want something new now, like the high production has to be like so much better in order to have people actually, you know, pay, pay attention. It's, and having like a celebrity saying like, it's amazing. Trust me. Like that doesn't, that doesn't fly anymore. So, so R.I.P. Quibi. Um, I hope this doesn't mean the end of Jeff Katzenberg. Um, you know, the yeah. guy is 70 years old. I mean, that's another thing about Quibi. I mean, really? I mean, it, this is a young person's business, just like the movie what? business is a young person's business. So I don't know that people my age are, uh, I, I think people my age can be, um, executives and we can be mentors and we can be leaders but i think in terms of let me put it this way when i was at disney i had young kids and it really really helped me understand the customer who is not the young child but is in fact the parents 
So I, I disagree. I mean, I disagree just as a being a marketer and the fact that like you have to figure out your target audience. You need to understand your target audience. You need to understand what they want. Now, now it's yet yeah, could Charlie saying, think, know, come up with the next Quibi idea? Yes. But then you would need to have advisors yes. who are in that. You team. need to right. test it. But it doesn't mean that just because I think this that is, again, I'm saying no ageism, Charlie. Yeah. You are you're 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 uh, ageist yeah, against yourself right now. There are good reasons for ageism. It's time for <laughs> boomers to get out of the way and let the boomers are awesome. I mean, I'm not a boomer, but boomers have, it's I'm like poor little you know, Gen X that nobody cares well, about, us, but at least let us continue. We're, we're having Gen Z's. Let so. us continue our march to irrelevance by by talking about the weekend. Uh, investing in Wave, with whom they did a very successful short concert on TikTok. And, you know, this follows Justin Bieber doing a VR thing with Wave. He invested. There are a bunch of famous rappers I've never heard of who have invested. And I just think <laughs> that virtual concerts, you know, that they've been doing them in Oculus venues. Uh, Steve Aoki was just there, and it was extremely popular. And, uh, and, you know, again, credit to Oculus, they are not hesitating to pay for top international talent, um, you know, really, and giving it away for free just to make the Oculus Quest more fun. So it, it, it's funny because this is like, I hadn't thought of this before we, where we talked about it, but that was like, I worked at Showtime for a while and you would have big music concerts to drive people to go. And then now you can't even go to actual concerts. So it's like, if you're going to invest in a big name music concert, do it now. And especially since if people are just starting, or at least it feels like to me that people are just starting to understand this idea of virtual worlds. Like it's not just, oh, a flat screen with cool graphics. Like it's like a world that you can experience yeah. and what that means. And the idea that you can move around and do stuff and have things come out, it's, it's not, you know, it can be interactive and exciting and individual. I mean, I think that it's just, we're just starting to know. And if you can get those music fans to say like, oh, wow, I couldn't go to a concert before, but now I could go. I, well, sure. I would I mean, say that this isn't enough. Yeah. We could have, well, I mean, they could have something thing, right? every we, day. We have, we have um, much lower prices and many, many more people attending. Yes, it is not as good as the real, but it is hugely democratized. And it's different, though. It becomes a different kind right. of experience, That's right? If you right. want to go a and- A more native experience, if you will. Yeah, but I think that it's, it's a different kind of, if you're like a concert going fanatic and going to the weekend live in concert in a venue is different than going to the wave in concert in a bit. Like you would do both. Like right. there's not, I don't, I mean, maybe there's a certain amount of Venn diagram of like the people who, who wouldn't do both. But I feel like if you can create the world, if you take a Lady Gaga and create Lady Gaga's crazy well, world, exactly right. it becomes then it's like, I get to live inside right. of Lady Gaga's brain, basically. Well, like you, you does, want to do that. That's an excellent point. Wave and, and Oculus venues both lavish production values and visual uh, effects around these concerts that that make them uh, into bona fide experiences with with their own unique pleasures. 
you know, the, and, and this seems to be happening, right? There's momentum. People are fishing where the fish are. Sansar has pivoted to being a music venue. Uh, there's a sound company uh, out of Russia called Sensorium Galaxy, which is right. launching music venues with uh, widely known talent uh, early next year. So, you know, this seemed, you know, you keep hearing about it. Fortnite, of course, famously, you know, did a release party with Travis Scott and they lavished tremendous artistic resources on it and, and really turned, turned it into a, um, a very unexpected treat, I would say. Um, well, I think that that's, I mean, it's like if you like the music and right now you're probably listening to more than you ever have, and then you're like, well, I want to just feel like I'm there. And it's like, hello, that's what the art does. Um, so I think that it's, I'm excited. I mean, I, I, I'm excited because my, I mean, I do like, like sort of popular music for sure, but I also like more indie bands and indie experiences. And I'm like, if you can just go down the list of like some of the list of the, the bands and, you know, get some of those indie artist performance spaces, um, then you're going to get, I mean, I'm a TV movie person first and XR first, so I'm excited when they, when they hit me too. I'm that sort of second part of the target that they're after. We need the music enthusiasts and then we need, you know, general entertainment enthusiasts. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, really. um, we've, got, we've got about three minutes left and I wanted to hit <laughs> two topics. Well, you and I, Go on like this, could, never leave Yes. <laughs> Ted, if Ted were here, it would be like, yeah. what? Huh? I know, we I'm wouldn't confused. get through three topics. Uh, <laughs> so Sony is launching a 3D display, much like the looking glass for uh, professional animators and 3D designers. Um, obviously, these are not mass produced in any sense, um, but you have looking glass in Brooklyn and they've made hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're expensive, right? They sell for five grand. So it's a professional tool, but it's another example of 3D without glasses, which is really happening, right? You've got Leia, uh, you know, launching 3D displays off of dashboards. Uh, and so I think this is just another example of, of the world slowly transitioning to a 3D world. I mean, this is going to take place over the next 20 years, but is there any doubt that the next evolution of television is 3D without glasses? Well, this, this, yes. So I did think about that. I can't help but, you know, pull in those sort of, thing. I mean, I, one of the first classes or one of the first things I do when I end up talking to somebody who's never worked in the industry before or, or doesn't know it is like this idea of thinking in a multi-dimensional way, right? Um, and I feel like it's sort of being able to see even the demo of the screen and it moves and it falls your eye. Like, I feel like people are like, wait a second, it doesn't have to be flat. Like it's, it's the same thing if like somebody tries VR for the first time and they, wait, I can look up and look down <laughs> and I can move around. Like, it's like, oh, it, it's like that. I say the thing of like where it shifts, like where everything sort of starts to shift. So if you get a designer who's like, you mean I can look at my like three-dimensional designs and actually see how it moves? It, it changes the way, the, the potential for things in a, luckily it's sort of a non-threatening way, right? It's, it's, it's a like easy to understand, easy to apply to what, um, what you're already doing and, and, and then you can realize the potential uh, for these technologies and hopefully even seeing more and more of these that people understand the importance of 3D assets and get their companies to invest in 3D assets and um, and then that, that sets it up for the you know for the glasses eventually. 
So uh, we only have uh, a minute left, but I did want to touch on uh, one other topic, which is theater and VR. Um, yes. You and I were talking when we got started, before we started running the tape about uh, a friend who had built a theater in Mozilla Hubs yes. uh, and was ho hoping to have people use it for you know, talk show like this or podcasts or uh, even full-blown theatrical performances, which the under presents is doing on the Oculus Quest. They just folded right. a one-person show uh, based on, loosely based <laughs> on Shakespeare's The Tempest. It's an hour-long experience and the performer is your guide. He, think of it as the most fun theater class you ever had in high school. <laughs> Right. And so everybody is anonymous and wearing a mask, but we are asked to pantomime and asked to participate and, and, and to help light things with flashlights and do very, very theatrical and things that are uh, amazing in VR, right? That stage magic is extra, you know, is exaggerated yeah. in VR because you have an infinite number of magical props. Uh, you know, you can instantly... Totally you know, be on, on, you know, one of the biggest sets in the world. Um, you can be intimate with the audience. I thought it was a great experience. They charged 15 bucks, which is cheap. And, and here is my main point, right? Live theater, <laughs> particularly in a place like New York, professional live theater is a terrible business. And it is a terrible business. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> and it is terrible for the performers. It's terrible for the audience. And it is terrible for the producers. And it has to change. Char Charlie, more. this is the one thing is that I also go like, I have yet to hear you go, you know what? That is an amazing business. Like everything I think that VR and failing my way out of it theater, 10 years, you might think I'm I know, a little bitter. But I think, but I think <laughs> that this is where there is the opportunity, like the VR and, and, and theater just like, can really sync up in a way that that has just started to be explored. Yes. And I think that it's, their audiences aren't quite there yet, but if the actors and the directors and the producers start realizing like, wait a second, a little bit like when, when people went, oh gosh, I'm talking TV again, but like when people are like, oh, video on demand is important. When video on demand launched, and I was at Showtime, like video on demand didn't get like any love. They didn't get like any assets. They didn't get anything and they were like, please people give us something so we can put it up. Now it's like the theater system needs to get, become aware that especially now if theaters aren't open, that they should be experimenting and see yeah. like, are there other potential ways agree. to make revenue? Right, somebody needs to underwrite getting those people into VR, getting them quests and, and doing some VR one-on-one with them. I think if they saw Absolutely. the opportunity, they would behave differently, but you know, people in theater are very sort of, they're wearing blinders. Right. And, for, I, good, and I, for good reasons. But, you know, this should be an opportunity to think differently. I think part of the problem is VR is not quite there. There's still a little too much latency. Um, but, I, you know, Quest 2, there's that. I mean, I think, I, I think I mean, this is why. Are, people are finding ways to do it. Right. They are finding ways to do it. And I think that some of it, I love that more and more companies are starting to have um, the experiences that are that you can get on a computer screen so that you can sort of like get, you know, get a sense of like, what is that like? Oh, maybe that will be more exciting if I put a headset on. 
And that's why I said that it's like nothing's announced yet, but I had, I had made the thing. You know, sometimes I put stuff on Twitter and I say like, hey, wouldn't it be great if, or has anybody thought if, and I, and I did that with, um, with theater and, and VR and said, isn't it time for something to happen? And then tagged all these people that I knew and, you know, something's in the, in the works. Um, because it's just, you know, I just talked to, it was like a few weeks where it was like everybody was starting to get involved in, in theater and, and VR. And I think that if, if we can convince some of those less, you know, uh, I don't know the word, less Charlie-like reaction to, uh, to like, <laughs> like the industry is over um, and say, look at the opportunity, which I like to do. I like to be the yin to your yang in that way, um, that maybe, uh, maybe something can happen here. And those people that are saying like, hey, I don't, you know, I want to start acting again. I want to start directing or are producing or writing again that they can they can have an outlet. And you know, a lot of people now. are also making making films in VR chat and rec room, uh, which I think is amazing too. You know, using the cameras great. and devices. So Sam, we're out of time. It's so great to okay. hang out with Samantha Wolf. Your Twitter is the Samantha G Wolf uh, with W O L F E. So S A M A N T H A G W O L F. And we are, of course, at This Week in XR and at Charlie Fink and at Virtual Ted S, who will be back with us next week. Have a great Mr. week, Ted. everybody. <laughs> Mr. Ted, oh, maybe next time. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks for listening.